Good morning, Hillcrest. Greetings to all of you who are joining us online, Facebook Live, YouTube, our our website, hillcrestchurch.com. Greetings to you. Glad you're with us and those who are gathered here today. Glad to see your faces this morning. And we also have a newly designated mask-only section. So glad for those who are in the mask-only section. I had a brother come to me earlier and say, I'm here, but I'm not sitting in my seat. And so... Um, but I'm still here. It shows commitment, so we're glad everybody's in the house uh, this morning. If you're here for the first time today, welcome. We've started the new year with a reorientation of our mission, our values. Our, our pastor has led us with crystal clear vision to obey the Great Commission at Hillcrest. And it's really just what Jesus told us to do, right? Go forth and make disciples. We just want to do what Jesus told us to do. And as you saw in the bumper video there, our mission at Hillcrest is to help people in becoming like Christ. Who? People who? Worship God. Connect with others. Serve the world. And invest in someone. In fact, if we could just say it together. Our mission at Hillcrest is to help people in becoming like Christ. Who worship God connect with others, serve the world, and invest in someone. And really, a disciple is a committed follower of Jesus. And more than anything, we want to make followers who are becoming like Christ. And the characteristics of people who are becoming like Christ are worship and connect and serve and invest. And so as the Connect pastor, it's my privilege to serve on staff here. I'll take this opportunity to share a few words on our core value of connect today. And I'm a textual guy. I like to just stay to a single text as much as possible. And so we'll look at just a couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 10, probably very familiar to most of us. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. I invite you to follow along. If you want to follow in a pew Bible in front of you, that'll be on page 947. And please stand with me as we read God's word together. We'll say a word of prayer and then we'll we'll see what God's word has to say to us. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, the perfect word of our perfect God. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are your children on the earth. And how grateful we are for everything that you've given us. Life, how precious it is. And Lord, how we are often reminded of how fleeting it is. And so in this moment, as we are here gathered together as your church with open Bibles, I pray that you would speak to us. We're desperate for you. Give us a word, a word from you that would encourage us, that would strengthen us, that would challenge us, that would shape us into the image of Christ. We pray this with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. We've talked about making disciples a lot, but I'll say one thing about disciples and discipleship that I've learned over the last couple of years as we've been talking about this. Making disciples is not manufacturing. 
It's agriculture. Uh, there's no way to mass assemble, just get an assembly line and just churn out disciples one by one. You have to grow each individual one organically. And as some of us know from hard labor in the fields, agriculture takes time. It takes work to cultivate and nurture healthy growth. But you can taste the difference, can't you? And when you have a tomato that's from the can, ugh. or one that's from mama's garden, right? You just picked it fresh this morning and it's in the, in the meal there. We taste the difference and our mission at Hillcrest is to cultivate healthy disciples, not mass-produced converts. And by God's design, this is just the way God designed it, some things just grow better together. It's like they're made to be together, even though they're very different. I'm told that basil and tomatoes are like this. Uh, never been much of a green thumb, but I did a little research. And gardeners all over the world say that growing these two plants together, basil and tomatoes, it just has great benefits. They said that the basil next to the tomatoes actually improves the flavor of the tomato. And they get larger, tastier when you just plant them with basil. And they say that it's the combination of these two plants just sharing the same nutrients under the same soil that gives mutual benefits. And even insects who would otherwise prey on tomatoes are confused by this powerful smell that comes from the basil. And so you see, some things just grow better together. This agricultural principle is also true in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where disciples only grow as God designed when they share the same soil, soaking in the same biblical preaching and teaching. We're designed to help each other ripen into healthy disciples of the Lord Jesus. But I don't have to tell you that there are enemies to our growth, amen? We live in a very dark world. To keep with the analogy, there are worms in the garden. And as I've alluded to, the world is growing darker and darker. There are corrupt things in our society. Paul will describe this as the world system, the world. We have remaining corruption even in our own hearts. Amen. Even though we've been converted to Christ, the sad truth is that we're not we're not like Jesus yet, are we? We're becoming, but there's still this, this corruption, which Paul will describe as the flesh. So we have the world, we have the flesh, and we have the devil. A very real enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm so hopeful about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, on this rock I will Build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. And so that truth, that reality must be deep in our hearts. But if you're like any other believer in church history, including the ones here in the book of Hebrews, we tend to forget that. They forgot. They were facing fierce persecution. They were facing difficult 
times. And when you face difficult times over an extended period of time, you just tend to check out. That's what was happening here. And instead of connecting with one another, they were neglecting one another. Thus, instead of encouraging one another as they so desperately needed, they were discouraged. They were lonely. They felt hopeless. Now, we're pressing the restart button at Hillcrest. Restart in 2021. But I just want to self-assess with you right as you're listening to me today. Anyone here feeling lonely, hopeless, just like just overcome by the things that have happened in our world, burdened by it? You're in good company because the the Hebrews to which the writer is writing are in a similar state. And just like a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty, God brings a word to them to refresh them, to revive them. In this text, we've only read two verses, but there's three things that he says in this text that we'll try to simplify today. First, he says, do not neglect meeting together. Next, do encourage one another. And third and finally, do stir up one another to love and good works. Now, these are ancient words, but they're immediately relevant for you and I as we listen to them today, right? This text has everything to do with why we connect and how we connect with others at Hillcrest. And so much can be said about connecting, but we'll limit what we say today to these three things Community, encouragement, and love. First, notice with me the importance of community. Dwelling on this point, that we devote ourselves to together life in biblical community. We devote ourselves to together life and biblical community. Look at verse 25. He says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. The primary purpose of Hillcrest Connect Groups is to do life together in biblical community. More than anything else, our groups exist to foster a place for what we call together life. He says, don't neglect, be together, do life together serve together, love together, and so on. And so the whole purpose of being in a connect group or connecting at Hillcrest, specifically with groups, is to rub elbows with people and we're all kind of opening the Bible. Go with me. As you're walking through life, most people don't carry a Bible with them everywhere they go, but you get the idea. As you're walking through life and you're bumping into things, You have someone next to you to say, wait, I think Paul said something about that. Or, hey, Peter gives an encouragement for that. Or, man, did you read this psalm that really picked me up at a time when I was low? That sort of thing. Doing life together in biblical community. And it's essential because ours is a one another faith. We love one another. And we serve one another. We submit to one another. We bear one another's burdens. And so here, we encourage one another. But that begs the question, how will we do this if we neglect to be with 
one another. This is why he says, don't neglect to meet together. It's perhaps the most basic thing I'll say all day. Do not neglect to connect. Don't neglect to connect. You can, you can make a song out of that, I think. Um, it's so important. The core value goes all the way back to the early church in Acts chapter 2, 242. The Bible says they, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Well, what's the context of this passage? We know that the early church, after Jesus' ministry, was whittled all the way down to about 120 in an upper room. Faithful, praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to wait, and he did come. And the Holy Spirit came, and they, and they, and they were speaking in unknown languages to them, but known to other people from other nations. And they all came around to see what that was all about. And the Bible says Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preached a sermon about Jesus. And 3,000 people got saved. Amen. And the Bible says that they didn't just say, hey, boys, y'all are saved now. We're going to baptize you, and I hope you'll figure it out. No, the next verse is they devoted themselves to some things. There was continuation, and it was to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. But that word devoted, they devoted themselves to this. It wasn't a casual, occasional attendance. It wasn't just coming to a worship service and leaving. They prioritized connecting. I want you to be honest with yourself today. Can you honestly say that you prioritize the same things that the early church did in Acts 2.42. The apostles' teaching in community, we're talking about with others, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Are you devoted to scripture in community? Fellowship of believers, are you devoted to that? Is it worth sacrificing for? Why do I press this? Because you have to devote yourself to some things if you're going to grow and becoming like Christ. You must go on and be all in with biblical community if you're going to be like Jesus. The opposite of devotion to community is neglecting to meet together. And some of the Hebrews that we're reading about in our text, they were abandoning the fellowship of the saints. They were separating themselves from others. They're hit and miss when it comes to together life. Now, I want to be gracious, <clears throat> particularly because we've had very unusual circumstances over the last year. And I understand that many of us are being very, very cautious with respect to connecting because of the pandemic. My parents, who are members of this church and probably watching right now, uh, have been away for that reason. And so I want to speak to people who are connecting online, uh, but perhaps haven't come. I just want to say a word to you. We miss you. Um, we want you here. We understand that you haven't been here, but I'll just say this. If it doesn't matter how long you've been gone or why you've been gone, 
We want to see you here. Please come back. Connect with us. If it's safe for you to come back, come on back. I understand that most of us uh, who have been gone have very good reasons, but there may be some who have just, like the Hebrews in our text, started to neglecting to meet together. And so what I'll do, by the power vested in me as the connect pastor, (laughs) is to declare a no-shame restart date. Are we restarting things in 2021? I declare that next Sunday, January the 31st, is a no-shame restart date for connect groups. And so if you're online, there you go. All right. If you needed an on-ramp, if you're embarrassed that you haven't been here for a few months and you just need an on-ramp to come back without anyone looking at you weird, next Sunday, starting next Sunday, come on back. We'd love to see you. In fact, if you have questions about who to get connected with, if you're here and you need to get connected, you need to connect with us, there will be someone in our Next Step Center who can answer any of those questions for you. But the first and foremost thing I wanted to say is that we devote ourselves to biblical community. Next, let's talk about encouragement for a moment because what do we do when we get in the community? All right, so we're devoted to the community. We're connecting with others. But what do you do once you're there? We're going to talk about encouragement. And here's the point. We develop relationships marked by receiving and giving encouragement. Let's look at the rest of verse 25 together. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but what? Encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. One key function of connect groups is to develop relationships with a culture of encouraging. This verb here, which is translating encouraging, is the Greek word parakaleo. We've heard this word before. We're familiar with the associated noun form paraclete. And over and over and over again in the upper room discourse, the Lord Jesus Christ refers to the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. He's the divine encourager. He's the one who comes alongside us to counsel us and to comfort us and to help us. And what an amazing truth it is that our connect groups based on this text in Hebrews 10, ought to have a ministry of encouraging, a Holy Spirit-filled ministry where we speak life into other people. And what does it mean to encourage? It's, it's It's to persuade people with humble and comforting words to console them, or said more simply, it's to speak wholesome words to foster good in others. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us to help other believers. Well, what does this look like? I was in a connect group recently, and I was in there during the prayer time. They had finished their lesson, and the leader was leading them in gathering prayer requests, and he was writing them on the board to capture what they were so that they could all pray for them, not just in the group, but during the week. And then one person raised their hand and said, I don't really know how to say this to y'all, but I was recently diagnosed with depression, and I I want your prayer. And the leader put it on the board and gave some encouraging words, and 
They moved on to the next request. And after all of that time, there was one member of the group that, that said, hey, I feel like we ought to just all gather around this person and pray for them. And they, and they did that. It was very encouraging to even watch. They, they all stood up. They gathered around, and they laid hands on this person, and they just prayed. One by one, every member prayed out loud for that individual. It's one of the most encouraging things I've ever seen in a connect group. Not all encouragement is going to be as vulnerable as something like that. There are other types of encouragement that happen. Uh, there was an encouraging thing that happened to me in a connect group. I wasn't always on a stage giving a message at Hillcrest. Uh, I used to sit right back there in the back with, uh, with Ray Harrison and, and Diane. And um, one day, Alan Green, who was the leader of the Young Professionals Group, said to me, man, you should be teaching something. Why don't you come to our group and, and teach? And I said, I don't know about that, but I'll give it a try. And so I did. And, and the group itself just encouraged me. And they, and they gave me words that were wholesome to foster good in me. And I just remember Alan saying to me, man, you ought to include some illustrations in your messages so that people know what you're talking about. And, um, and so I did. I'm doing right now. So, Alan, if you're listening, thank you, brother. Um, but But... Sometimes your spiritual gift can be discovered in a connect group. Someone can watch you and see something in you, that God's doing something in you. This is why I'm sharing these examples with you. You need to be encouraged. I don't know what each and every one of us is going through right now, but I know something about you if you're sitting in this room or you're listening. You need encouragement. With everything that's going on, you need someone to encourage you. You need someone to look at you and say wholesome words to you such that good is fostered in you. You need someone that you've developed a relationship with that can say, you know what? As I've been watching you over the last year or two, you've grown in this way, this way, and this way. You have more joy. You were rough around the edges a couple years ago, but, man, you have more peace. That conversation is not going to happen in the worship center. I'll just tell you that. you got to get close to someone. But I'll also share this with you because you need to give encouragement. You need to seek out others who need to be encouraged by you. There's someone at Hillcrest who needs to be encouraged by you. doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord doesn't matter how much scripture you know, any believer can encourage someone. And so a question I'd ask of you today is who are you actively encouraging right now? Who in your life, and specifically in your church, are you an active source of encouragement for them to foster good in them, to see them grow in the Lord? This text uses this verb as a present active participle, which indicates continuous action. This is why it's translated encouraging one another. We ought to have a culture of constant, ongoing encouragement amongst us. This is how we grow in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord. So we develop 
we, excuse me, devote ourselves to biblical community. We develop relationships that are marked by receiving and giving encouragement. And third, we demonstrate the fruit of sacrificial love by good works. If we're using the agricultural analogy, to devote to community is to plant the seed. To develop the relationship of encouragement is to water it, to fertilize it, to cultivate it. And then the love that we're looking at here is the fruit of that. It's the harvest. Look at verse 24 with me of of Hebrews chapter 10. He says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to what? Love and good works. You know, the church is a family. God in many places in scripture refers to us as the household of faith. And I'm just going to say it, because it's true of your natural family too, okay? You have some members in your family that are easy to love, and some that just aren't. Can we just say amen? It's like that in the church too. You have some members in the church who are easy to love and others who are not. But that we're no less family is the point. What unites us together is not our likability. We're not united by race or by politics or by social economic status. What unites us? The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We're united by Christ, the same Holy Spirit that indwelt the apostles indwells us. And we have one Father and one common faith by baptism. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as such, we love one another. The truth is that our love is not what it ought to be, is it? While we love, we don't love perfectly. And so we need one another. We need to connect with one another. And we need to pump one another up. I use this term, pump up, kind of playing on this phrasing that the writer uses here to stir one another up to love and good works. The word there is to provoke, if you have a King James, provoke one another, which is almost always a bad thing. But here it's a good thing. And the imagery that I think of when I think of this is what I experienced when I was in high school. Coming up on 20 years out of high school, I know I don't look it, but man, (laughs) those years start passing by quickly. And I remember on Fridays during football season, be the highlight of the day. We all rush to the gym and you just hear noise all over the place and people with noisemakers and signs and they're yelling and they're screaming and they're so excited and no one's telling them to be quiet. You know what this is. This is a pep rally, right? And you see games between the freshmen and the seniors and the sophomores, juniors, and it's just so much fun. The band comes in and it's loud. And what's the highlight? When the football team comes in, we just all erupt in applause. We're excited for them. We're pumping them up. That imagery is what I think of when I hear this stir one another up. Pump each other up to love and good works. And just as our football team needed to be pumped up every week to go play football, each disciple of Jesus needs to be pumped up each week to go follow Jesus. You're going to take some hard hits. 
in this walk with the Lord. There's going to be an enemy who's standing right across you on the gridiron. You need energy. You need someone to pump you up. And if there's any place in the world you ought to be able to get that, it's at your church with your fellow brothers and sisters in your group. And he says, don't just pump them up for anything. He says, pump them up for love and good works. Instigate one another to love and good works. And this is really the whole summary of the law. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, which is like unto it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And in this way, connect and worship are connected. You see our core value of worship from last week. The core value is really a fulfillment. Let us love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, which is like unto it, is loving our neighbor. Let us connect with others and demonstrate love and good works. You know, being married to Crystal Faye has helped me with this. I don't know if y'all realize this. I'm not a great guy. I don't know what she saw in saying yes to me, but I'm so glad she did. Uh, This week we celebrated nine years of marriage. Um, And I love that woman more now than I did the day we got married. Um, But in nine years I've learned something. It's a very profound truth. You ready? Men and women are different. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We're we're so different. Um, And in particular, my wife and I are just, we're just different in all seriousness. Uh, We see things differently. We approach things differently. God has gifted us in different ways. Uh, The Apostle Peter will say in 1 Peter 4 that some are given uh, speaking gifts, others serving gifts. And I think that would describe us. I think my gifts probably lie more with speaking, hers with serving. But I'll tell you, through all that, it's abundantly clear to me that we just grow better together, my wife and I. And each connect group is something like that. In your growing, God will give you opportunities to show love through good works to people who are not like you in any way. They think differently than you. And they approach things differently than you do. And they say things you would never say. But they're your brother or sister in Christ, and you love them, and you have opportunities to show love to them. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did on his very last night before he was betrayed to his disciples, to his connect group, as it were. He had 12 men. They were in the upper room together having a meal. And as they were eating, the Lord Jesus did something very different. The Bible says he rose from supper and he girded himself with servant's clothing. He tied a towel around himself and he, and he poured water into a basin. And the Bible says that he stooped to wash the feet of his disciples. Each and every one of them would have saw this act as reserved for only the lowest slave. But here's the Lord stooping to wash the crud, the dirt, the filth 
the grime off his disciples' feet. And the Bible says he took the towel and he wiped their feet off. And the Bible says that he, after he did that, he, he rose back up and assumed his place. And he asked them a question. He says, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. But if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done to you. And based on that text, you know what I've learned? You can serve without loving, but you cannot love without serving. Now, I'll leave the serve sermon for next week, but I'll just give you a sneak peek. It's really big for the disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my point today is that there was such a diverse group there, even amongst the 12. You had Peter, James, and John. These guys are fishermen. You have Matthew, he's a tax collector. And you have Simon the Zealot, who's part of a movement wanting to overthrow the government. This diverse group of uneducated common men literally changed the world. They soaked up the same soil. They grew and grew to the point of fruitfulness to the Lord. And shortly after he washed their feet, the Lord Jesus said this to them, which is a very important verse, John 13, 35. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By what? What? If you have love for one another. Every day, we're going to be surrounded by people who are not like us, who don't look like us, think like us, make the choices we make, who don't vote as we vote, who don't live as we live, who don't look like us, who don't come from the same background as we do. And yet we have a tremendous opportunity to love them as Jesus loves them, to see them come to Christ, and to lead them in becoming like Christ. This is why the text is very clear to us. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That last phrase, day drawing near. Anybody looking forward to Jesus coming back? I am. Yeah. Jesus is coming soon. Soon and very soon. And as the day draws near, we ought to more and more ramp up the things that we're committed to. We're going to connect with others to devote ourselves to together life and to develop relationships marked by giving and receiving encouragement. And then finally, to demonstrate the fruit of sacrificial love by good works. Connect like this at Hillcrest, and you'll become more and more like Jesus. This is God's word, and let all who agree say amen.